Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. I'm going to be dealing with the subject, a sermon to church kids. A sermon to church kids. Everybody say that with me. A sermon to church kids. If you turn in your Bibles to Psalms 139, and if we just read the first six verses in that first stanza, we will read the verses, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and you comprehend my lying down. You are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know them all together. You have hedged me behind me and before me and you have laid your hand upon me. And David himself said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I cannot attain it. It's too high. I don't have to introduce myself to God. For God to get to know me, I don't have to go, hello, God, my name is Caleb Farsing. Nice to meet you. He already knows you. He knows every problem you'll ever face. He knows your likes, your dislikes. He knows what makes you angry, what what makes you happy, what makes you sad, what frustrates you. He knows what you go home to. He knows the struggles of life. He knows your temptations. He knows your struggles. He knows the trials. He knows the fires. He knows the rocky waves you're going through. He knows what your family situation is. He knows what your home life is like. God, there is not a single thing that God does not know about you. He knew everything about me before I was even born. The Bible tells me in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed thee in thy mother's womb, I knew you. And before I called you, I had sanctified you to be a prophet to the nations. One of the greatest blessings that you could ever experience, one of the greatest blessings that is known through the word of God is that God knows me. What a blessing it is to be known by God. What a blessing it is that I don't have to introduce myself to God before he has an idea of who I am. God knows who I am. The deepest parts, the secrets of my heart, the guilt, the shame, God knows all of it. I don't have to tell him for him to know. God knows every part of your life. He knows your struggle, young person. He knows what you're facing. One of the greatest blessings is to be known by God. One of the greatest tragedies is not that we are unknown or forgotten by God, but is that God is unknown to us. I'm going to say that again, young person. One of the greatest tragedies, if not the greatest, is not that you are forgotten by God, but rather God is forgotten by you. We forget God in our days, in our nights, We forget God in our adventures, in our misadventures. We forget God in our schools, in our jobs, in our careers. We forget God in our sports, in our relationships. We forget God in in, in, in college. There is always a possibility of forgetting God in any place where we can act in our own self-interest. We forget God in our church services. We forget God in our youth conferences. We forget God in our youth camps. I would argue that church is one of the places where God has forgotten the most. 
Maybe you'll understand that later in life. But the tragedy is not that you are forgotten by God. It is impossible for God to forget that which, we, that which he has once known. Young person, he's known you since before you were even a thought in your parents' mind. He will never forget you. God will never forget about you. Oh, but you can forget about God. The text we read from opens up by David on his deathbed, charging the Israelites. But he gets to Solomon, and he tells Solomon, As for you, my son, as for you personally, know the God of your father. I want you to understand that a man's dying words are the most important words that that man could ever speak in his life. They're not to be taken lightly. If I'm on my deathbed, my last words I am going to make sure are the most important words that I could possibly say. Because that's what I'm going to be remembered by. I'm not going to be, I'm, you know, who knows how people's minds work. But in my brain, I'm not going to be remembered for what I said 60 years ago. But my son is going to remember the words I tell him right now. And David's last words to his son was, Son, know the Lord God of your father. He didn't say set aside money for the kingdom. The first thing he didn't tell him was to build the temple as God has ordained you to do. Before all of that fluff and before all of that charging and, and, and instruction, David's last most important words he told Solomon was, Know the Lord God of your father. David knew that his son was spoiled by the blessings of David's walk with God. David knew that Solomon lived a life that was blessed because of David's relationship with God. As a matter of fact, the whole nation of Israel thrived and lived under the blessing of David's covenant with God. His blessing of following after Jehovah, of honoring the commands of God. Though David's life was flawed, the Bible pens in 1 Samuel chapter 13 that God found David a man after his own heart. A man after his own heart. Though David was flawed, he was a man after God's own heart. And here is David telling his son, son, I don't care about how rich you get. I don't care about how much money you get. I don't care about the, uh, um, how many, you know, um, the, 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 the administration that you set up and how long and prosperous your reign is. Son, I want you to know God for yourself. David knew that Solomon lived in a state of David's blessing, living under the secondhand experience of David's walk with God. David knew that after I pass away, you won't have that anymore. I won't be there to, to, to cover you with the umbrella of God's blessing from my relationship with him. You're going to have to pursue God for yourself. David talking to a church kid, a kid that grew up in the temple kid that, 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 that heard the beautiful, poetic, passionate psalms that David wrote under the Spirit of God. Saw the, the high priest go into the temple and God approved the sacrifice and atoned for their sins. Solomon never had to initiate this. Solomon always got to watch it 
and to experience the joy of, of, of David's walk with God. Solomon, being a church kid, experienced the fire, experienced the blessing of God. But these blessings were secondhand experiences. They were received from his father's pursuit of knowing God. David understood that God knew him, but David wanted to know God for himself. David knew in Psalm 139, God knows me. God knows me before I was even a thought, but I desire to know him. I desire to know God. The problem plaguing our churches is that we are raising up a young generation who has feasted off of someone else's hunger for God and have never decided for themselves that they are going to do the same thing. We have a whole entire generation that is feasting off of the harvest of the older generation and their pursuit of God. But one day, young people, there's going to become a famine not because, they, not because people aren't pursuing God, but because the people that used to, to, to pursue God and call the fire down have passed on to glory. And here you are never having talked to God, never having pursued God, and you are going to starve spiritually because it was always a secondhand experience between you and God. Come on, you need to cut the middleman out. You need to say, I'm not going to let somebody go to God on my behalf. But I'm going to go before the throne of God with boldness as God has instructed me to do. David tells his son, I want you to know the Lord God of your father. But I want you to serve him with a loyal heart and a willing mind. A loyal heart and a willing mind. Young person, do you serve God or do you serve your own self-interests? Are you serving God? Are you serving God? Does the life that you live bring glory to His name? Are you caught up in your own thing that you've got going on that you don't have enough time to serve God anymore? The word serve in Hebrew there means to worship. And it's interesting to me that the God's holy word that does not change equates service to worship. Meaning my service to God is an extension of my worship. It's not just something that I do. It's not just something that, that, that it's not just a hobby. It is worship. When I preach, it is worship to him. My service to God, I do it because it's worship. Worship means he's worthy. I serve him because he's worthy. Young person, the church kid says, I don't have to serve God. The saints will serve for me. The saints will volunteer for everything. The saints will pray for the sick. The saints will tell somebody, I'll pray for you and actually do it. I'll just say, I'll pray for you and never actually go to God for you. The church kid says, I don't have to serve God because I'm too young. If that is the case, I ask you, what about Samuel? What would, have, what would the nation of Israel be like if Samuel let Eli do the service? Not saying our saints are corrupt, but Eli was corrupt. Eli was burning out. He was fading into to, 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 to sin and immorality and was allowing it. But here is Samuel. Scholars say he could have been six to eight years old. Samuel, 
heard the voice of God and responded with a yes, responded with a here I am. But the church kid says, I'll let somebody else do it. I'll let somebody else sign up for the, for the welcoming team. Praise God. I'll let somebody else serve God and worship God and praise God. But friend, you have been called by God. You have been ordained by God. If we could pay attention over there, young people, you have been called by God. And we push it off as if we can pick it up 20 years from now. We can push it off uh, as if after college, I'll finally pick up my calling. Church kids will, 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 will push off the service of serving God for their own self-interest. Come on, am I preaching all right tonight? I serve him because he's worthy. To serve the Lord means to be available for the call. Young person, are you available? If God were to say, Samuel, would you say, here I am? Or your, would your ears be clogged with distractions and worldly attractions and thoughts that don't honor God, that, 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 that aren't necessarily evil or sinful, but the, but, 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 but the noise keeps you from hearing the voice of God? Young person, I'm here to tell you any noise, any distraction that blocks your ears from hearing Samuel, young person, or whatever your name may be, if it keeps you from hearing the voice of God calling you, friend, it's a sin. It's a sin. I don't care if that voice is the person sitting next to you. It's a sin to allow that, to keep your availability turned off. We use Microsoft Teams at work. We have this little button that says available, unavailable, busy. If my thing is busy, I don't get the notifications. Friend, you have been busy for way too long. God's got six voicemail, voicemails to your mailbox saying, when are you going to follow me? When are you finally going to accept the call and stop playing games? When are you finally... Going to say, I'm done just reading lyrics off of a screen. and I'm actually going to step into actual worship. Can I preach to you tonight? Can I preach to some church kids that have skated by on the saints' coattails, but have never learned to build the fire for themselves? Can I get an amen? Praise God. You cannot serve two masters. The church kid says, I can go to church on Sunday and Wednesday and serve God, raise my hands, pray, and, and, and lay hands on people. But come Monday, come Tuesday, come Thursday, and God forbid you get to Friday and live like the devil. I'm here to tell you tonight, I want to be available seven days a week for God. Are you available? God doesn't want somebody who's available two out of seven days of the week. God wants somebody who's available at midnight. God wants somebody who's available in a moral landslide in this country where the world is going uh, to, to, to terrible places and God is looking at the church asking, where are the church kids in my army? Where are the church kids who know my word? Why aren't they standing up and doing something? Why aren't they standing up and winning the lost? Why aren't they standing up and being used by me? You cannot serve two masters because you will hate one and hate the other. Friend, the devil's a liar. 
He will tell you, you can do this and serve God at the same time. The moment you do that, you'll find that you hate the things of God. Come on, that's a scary place to be. When you start serving the world, you'll find that the pleasures of sin cause you to hate the pleasures of, of, of an invisible God. It will cause you to go astray. The word loyal heart, as David penned to his son, translates in the King James to a perfect heart. A perfect heart. Not perfect being without sin, but perfect in whole devotion to one. I have a perfect heart towards faith, meaning my heart is loyal. I'm not divided. My heart is at peace with who I love. My heart is at peace with who it is, who it belongs to. David tells Solomon, serve the Lord your God with a loyal heart, a perfect heart. A heart that is not divided to the person, to, to your girlfriend, to your boyfriend, and God. God doesn't want to be second, third, or fourth. God wants to be first with no others contending for the throne. When we say, God, I exalt you, that means you put him on the throne. Not yourself or your own self-interest. Come on, there's a competition on each of our hearts. There's a competition for your heart tonight. Who is going to win? You are able to decide who wins your heart, who gets your heart at the end of the day. But David said, Solomon, I don't want you to serve God and serve yourself. I want you to serve God with a perfect heart, meaning you are wholly devoted to God. You know, when gold is considered pure, when there are no other traces of metal or other elements present, a, heart, a piece of gold is perfect if there is no traces of anything else in it. If not, it's not pure gold. God is saying, I want a pure heart. I don't want any traces of the world. I don't want you to, 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 to get nostalgic and go back and listen to trash music because it, there's, there's traces of you that miss the good days and miss high school and miss when this album came out. Can I get specific? I don't want your heart. God does not want your heart to have any traces, any attachments to the world. Peter went to the cross and got crucified upside down because he didn't have any attachments to the world. People serve God in different countries without seeing their family for years and it is okay with them because their heart is perfect towards God. There's nothing attached to them that is pulling their heart back from serving him. But friend, I ask you tonight, is your heart pure for God? Or are there attachments, little traces of the world in there? You try to serve God. You try to serve God. You try to get up and off the altar and repenting and say, God, I want to serve you. But you have never crucified those attachments, those fleshly desires. So you can never serve God with worldly attachments. You can never serve God with traces of the world. Church kids have a loyal heart towards God on Sunday or on Wednesday. But the traces of the world in their heart take over as soon as service is dismissed. Impurities inside of gold can only be removed by intense heat. The Bible tells me in Isaiah 4.4 that when the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. Can I tell you, it doesn't, it's not just a little heat that gets the impurities out. 
We go into a church service and we get kind of scorched, but we're okay with just a little heat. Friend, it takes intense heat. It takes the full degree of temperature to get the impurities out of the gold. Don't think that because you listen to an audio book uh, by Jensen Franklin or listen to a sermon online, but never let it get to your heart that all of a sudden you're fine and okay. It takes intense heat. It takes the spirit of burning. It takes being under the eyes of the flaming fire of Jesus Christ to purge you from the filth of this world, to expose it. But friend, every time you get under conviction, you're like a salamander, you just slide right out. Come on, conviction's not a bad thing. You need to sit under the magnifying glass with the heat of God's convicting power burning off all of the filth and impurities because God knows that after the pain and after the the hurting of losing part of the world that you will go forth as a child of God. A little heat won't do it. Just a little bit won't do it. You could take a lighter and hold it to a piece of gold. It will never get the impurities out. But if you put it in a kiln under the correct degree of temperature, suddenly it will become pure gold. Then David tells Solomon, serve God with a loyal heart and a willing mind. Let me tell you what a willing mind is. A willing mind is a mind that delights in the things of God. A willing mind is not content with a Sunday knowledge of God, but desires a personal pursuit for more of Him. Are we listening tonight? A willing mind does not settle for a sermon, but meditates on the Word of God to the point of spiritual and personal transformation. Are we hearing me tonight? A willing mind is not satisfied with a second-hand experience with God, but digs and seeks their own first-hand encounter with their Creator. Come on, I have heard Pastor Tom's stories my entire life, and I want them for myself. I want my own first-hand encounter with God. A willing mind will get there. A willing mind does not take the pastor's word for it, but says, I must find out for myself. I will be the happiest preacher in this entire world. If you say, I, I'm not going to take Caleb's word for it, but I'm going to go home with the word of God and I'm going to dig in and find out, is this really who God is? Is this really what the word of God says? And hopefully you don't fact check me, but praise God, a willing mind will dig into the things of God. A willing mind says, where is someone who I can share Jesus with? A willing mind looks for who I can witness to. A willing mind says, God, if you send me to some podunk country where I can barely feed myself and my family, God, I will go because I have a willing mind. Come on, you act like I'm talking to somebody else. I'm talking to you, young person. God has called you to to, to be a missionary to the nations, but you're too busy to hear the voice of God. God has called you to preach the gospel. Some of you have even felt that. Some of you have even done that and operated in it. But friend, you're too busy. God's got voicemails. God's going straight to the mailbox. Because you're too busy. What if Samuel was too busy? The nation of Israel became overwhelmed with sin and were wiped off the face of the earth because of their standing with God. What happens if you don't answer? Who in your family 
will be destroyed because you don't answer God's call? Who in this room will be affected because you chose, I will wait to serve God? Because if you look to the left and right of you, those are the victims of you being disobedient. Can I be, can I be honest? The person on the left and right of you and in this room will be the ones who suffer from your disobedience to the voice of God. And extending from here to every ministry in this church, the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering together of yourselves in the manner of some. This is off topic and I'm almost finished. But the reason Paul, Paul said, don't forsake gathering together in the church is because he knew that you have a gift that somebody else needs. God has created you to, 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 to be a light, praise God. A church kid's mind. We talked about a willing mind. Can we talk about a church kid's mind? Amen. A church kid's mind forgets what the message was as soon as service was over because it wasn't for them. A church kid's mind says, I don't need to pray because people will think I'm repenting. Can I be specific? Donald Trump said, make America great again. But as an impact slogan, I would like to say, make the altars full again. Not just of sinners, but of everybody who's got a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. I'm done just seeing sinners pray. I want to see child, children of God say, I don't want to go another second without seeking his face. Let's make the altars full again. A church kid's mind says someone else will evangelize. Someone else will win the lost. Someone else will invite somebody to church. A church kid's mind says, don't tell someone about Jesus or be bold about your faith lest you be embarrassed. Lest you walk away with, with a bad experience. Friend, you will never have a bad experience witnessing to the lost. Because at the end of the day, I'm not doing it for man. I'm doing it for my God who commands me to go forth and make disciples of all nations, kindred, and tongues. Friend, that is not for the pastor or for the missionary. That is for you. Am I preaching all right tonight? A church kid's mind says, I don't want to go up to the altar lest people think that I'm a sinner. Friend, can I tell you, I hope everybody thinks you're repenting because that is exactly what you should be doing. Praise God. Repentance is never outgrown. Repentance is never something that I will stop doing. But as a child of God, the more I walk with Jesus, the more I realize that I am not like Jesus. The more I need to go to God and say, God, forgive me, change me, transform me so I can be more like you. That's what repentance is. Saying, God, make me more like you. Fashion me in your image. Change me for your glory, just as by the Spirit of God. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. In other words, David told Solomon, don't think that you can trick God into thinking. That your motives are different. Young person, don't think because you're a church kid that you can give the illusion that you're serving God and somehow confusing God and making him think that you are when you're not. God knows the intents of the heart and he knows the intents of every thought that you have. 
He knows the reason you raise your hand. He knows the reason you go to church. He knows the reason you serve him. He knows the reason you read your Bible. He knows the reason you pray. And friend, I am not going to stand before him one day and him tell me, depart from me, ye who worked iniquity. I never knew you. I want to know God. I want to know God. I don't want to know a celebrity. I don't want to know a, a, a famous athlete. I want to know the one who created me. Because only then will I understand why I was created. Only then will I understand my purpose for life. Can I tell you, church kid? Your purpose is more than just sitting on a pew. Your, church, your purpose is more than just going through the motions of religion. Your purpose was to do great and mighty things for the Lord. And church kid, I want to tell you what a blessing it is to be raised in a church that, 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 that experiences the fire of God. But the, the purpose of God's message tonight is not to make you feel bad that you're a church kid, but to make you take up the, the, the blessing that it is and to go forth into this world with your own fire. With your own fire. That's what I'm preaching tonight. David could have said, Solomon, just use my inheritance and make it in life. David said, as for you, my son, as for you, as for you, young person, as for you who thinks that you can wait to be called till later, know the Lord your God, to know God, to know God. And you know what my favorite part of this verse is? David doesn't leave it up to Solomon's guesswork. David says, Solomon, I want you to know that in the day you get hungry for God, when you seek him, he will be found by you. To every young person in this room, I want to let you know that nothing disqualifies you from experiencing God except your own willingness to go seeking. To go seeking. Will you be a seeker? Or a forsaker. Because David said, you seek him, you will find God. But if you forsake him, he will cut you off. And if music can come up tonight. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at impactym. And remember, you can have as much of God as you want.